0: You're listening to the Audacious Church podcast. This message was recorded live at our Manchester campus. We know this is a great investment into your life. So tune in, listen up and stay focused. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. Well, in two weeks time, Audacious Church is 15 years old. We're about to do our GCSEs. We've got spots. It's wonderful. About four or five years ago when we were 10, kind of in our 11th year, we spent some time trying to refresh or remind ourselves or really make sure that we were doing what it was that God asked us to do in the first place. And so we Spent time discussing who we were and who we felt God wanted us to be. And we preached a series of messages called This Audacious Life. This Audacious Life. Give me a wave if you remember that back in 2018. We uh, did our best to articulate exactly who God was calling us to be so that we could A, remind ourselves... Um, and make sure that we were doing that, and B, introduce that to all the people that had joined since we started. And so actually every year or two for the last five years, around this time of year, we've been doing exactly the same thing, reminding, refreshing, and introducing exactly who God has called Audacious Church to be. Now by church, I don't mean this building, although that can help emphasize who we're supposed to be. I don't mean The program, although we program with that in mind, I'm talking about you and me. We are the church. So this audacious life, if you are part of our church, is your life. And so for the next four to six weeks, we're going to be reminding, refreshing, and introducing you to kind of our four cultural distinctives. How about that? You're impressed. We're definitely doing GCSE English language by that sentence that I just made. We're going to be talking about how we're fiercely determined, wildly authentic, seriously fun, and fearlessly devoted. You're going to hear those four phrases come out through all of our messages for the next few weeks. This year, though, we decided we were going to do it through a slightly different filter or inside a different framework, if you like. And it was really using the life of Jesus, King Jesus, as the example or the model of the most audacious life ever lived by any human being, any anyone on planet Earth ever. And the Bible, you know, the Gospels are an eyewitness account of that audacious life. But really, what we want to do for these messages, is focused on a period of silence in Jesus' life. It was almost like a period of preparation for his audacious life. But there's a verse in Luke 2:52 that some of you will already know, that gives us a window into exactly how Jesus grew in preparation for his audacious life. Everybody with me? Let's go and see what it says before we get into today's message. This is a setup for the whole series. Luke 2.52 says this, And Jesus grew in wisdom, there's the first one, and stature, number two, in favor with God, number three, and favor with man, number four. And so you're going to see these themes or these focuses in our messages in the next few weeks because Jesus' life, Although it was a period of silence, all we know is that Jesus grew. And we know that his life that he lived for three years was an audacious life. And therefore, we need to see how we need to grow in order for us to live out the audacious life that God has called us to live. Is everybody with me? If you're watching online and you're with me, say yes in the chat. If you're in the room, use your mouth. Okay, good, that's... A majority, well done. Um, Okay, so I'm gonna read to you two key verses for today's message, okay? Week one of this audacious life. And they're found in Proverbs 23, verse seven, says this, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. And then in Matthew five and verse eight, from the message paraphrase of this gospel, it says this, you're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and heart put right, then you see God in the outside world. This message is called, this audacious life starts with a thought. Let's pray. Father, we give the next 20 minutes of our concentration and the focus of our hearts and minds to you, and we're praying and asking that you would speak to us. Thank you that you called us to live a life that is about more than just our own um, personal circumstances, or current reality, but you're calling us to do something greater. So we choose to listen, we choose to receive, and we pray for the courage to put into practice your word this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, this audacious life starts with a thought. Nobody in this room knows what I'm thinking right now. I mean, I look like a nice guy. I'm smiling at you, Andy. But, but if only you knew what I was thinking about Crystal Palace right now. Look at the person next to you. Come on, look them in the eye. Don't they look Nice. Let me tell you, you got no idea what they're thinking about your breath right now, (laughs) or your eye makeup, or your outfit, or your hairline. Take that hat off, Andy. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) We got no idea. Nobody in this room has access to my mental browsing history. It is the most private thing about me. Nobody knows except, it seems, according to the word of God, for King Jesus. The psalmist writes in Psalm 139, You have examined my heart and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up, you know my thoughts, even from afar. The truth is, our hidden internal world is under-invested in because our external world is so visible. We spend hours and thousands of pounds working on investing in our external world. But this message is called, This Audacious Life Starts With A Thought, which represents a part of our life that rarely gets invested in or rarely gets investigated in, And so for the purpose of the next few minutes that we have together, we're going to do just that. We're going to investigate an under-investigated and under-invested part of our lives called our thoughts. Our thoughts. Everything in your life that's great started with a thought. A couple of weeks ago, I was at uh, Jordan and Amy's wedding a week ago on Saturday, They didn't wake up on that Saturday and just go, we're getting married. Better get our our gear on, better get down to the, well, the field is actually where they got married, because they got married at her parents' farm. Um, No, of course, months, if not years ago, there was a thought. Same for you. Your children didn't just arrive delivered by stalks one morning, and I don't want to go into what the thought was, but there was a thought previously that led to things. Your most amazing performance at work, this thing at work that you've achieved, that you've done well, and you got promoted for, you didn't just do it one day, you thought about it. Maybe that thought was a frustration, or it was you saw a gap, or you saw a need. a thought is where it started. And so you thought something, and then you did whatever it took to bring that thought into reality. And that is what we want to focus on today. The Bible says that Jesus grew in wisdom. The first of those four things, wisdom, stature, favor with God, favor with man. Number one, wisdom. The word that the Bible uses there in the original language is Sophia. And you can tell Pastor Sophia next Sunday when she's back. Pastor Glenn and Sophia back next week. You can tell her that that word Sophia means intelligence, knowledge, learning, understanding, and skill. In other words, your internal world. Jesus grew internally in preparation for this audacious life. Whenever I say thinking in this message, I'm actually talking about more than just thoughts. I'm talking about your thoughts, your feelings your internal conversation, your attitude, your internal world. Just a side note, there is a difference between your thoughts and your feelings. And if we have time, we'll explore it a tiny little bit at the end of this message before we get to a place where we're going to respond to God. But get this picture in your mind. A plant, we have a sunflower growing in our front garden. It is massive. It is like bigger than me, bigger than the car. Every time I lift Willow's bike over the wall to get... We have a gate. I'm saying the car's in the way. I don't just break into my garden. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Every time I do that, I like have to watch this sunflower. It's huge above the surface, but we all know that there's a whole lot more going on under the surface than there is above the surface. We know that when Willow planted that seed in the ground, there were weeks that went by when we didn't see anything because that which is seen above the surface is conceived It's created, it's cultivated in the unseen. And so before we get to week two, because Jesus grew in wisdom and stature, before there's any stature, kind of physical, external world stuff going on, and Pastor Stewart is going to be preaching on that next week, but before we go to the stature, we need a little bit of wisdom. This audacious life starts with a thought. So how do we... As audacious people, how do we as Christians, as disciples of Jesus, how are we supposed to think? How are we supposed to think differently than what we are thinking? How can you help what you think? Well, I believe it's going to take fierce determination. It's going to take wild authenticity. It's going to be seriously fun and going to require fearless devotion. Let's just start with our first cultural distinctive as audacious church, knowing that this, you are the church, and so we're talking about you as a disciple of Jesus, fiercely determined, fiercely determined. The reality is you can't help the thoughts that come into your mind. Now, there's an argument that you can do things to guard your heart and mind. In fact, the Bible teaches us, doesn't it, in Proverbs, above all else, guard your heart. So when I say you can't help it, I'm kind of saying you can a bit because I think we have to be the guardians of our hearts and minds. And there's a part to play, but that's a different message. But I just don't want you to write down, you can't help what you think, tick, no worries, I'll think about whatever I want. No, you can Be a guardian of your heart and mind and think about what you watch and what you listen to and what you do and how you all of that external stuff does have an impact. But let's just start from the premise that boing, a thought pops into your head. We're at that junction, we're at that moment. And the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So, it's important for us to recognize that when a thought, whether it's good or bad, pops into our heads, there's an order in which things go next. It goes thoughts and then actions. We know, audacious for sure, and I guess, you know, all over the world people understand that there's a, a step in the middle as well, which is why we talk so much about our words, because it goes thoughts, often words, actions. That's why there's power in declaring, which is why our worship leaders say, come on, let's sing it again. It's why our worship leaders say, come on, why don't you just think of something that you're just grateful to God for and and the whole church stands to their feet. It's not just for the sake of having like a bit of a party. It's because we understand that words are powerful, but there is an order. It goes thoughts, sometimes and more often than not words, and then actions. So if Our thoughts are that important. If the actions or the physical world that we sort of experience starts with a thought, what do we do if the thought is a wrong thought? It's not of God. It's dishonorable. It's incorrect. It's not in line with what you know to be true about your life and the world around you. What do you do with that thought? Well, the Bible teaches us this principle that it calls taking a thought captive. Taking a thought captive. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 5 says this, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Pastor Julie did an illustration once which I'm going to repeat but I'm giving her the credit because she's wonderful. Raphael come here buddy. We think that When, because we're talking about the subject matter, thought, is kind of unseen and a bit fluid and kind of like you can't really hold it, then to take it captive is almost like, well, we've just got to sort of coerce it. Like, Rafaro is a thought in my head, occasionally. (laughs) Taking it captive is not going, come on, come on, this way, this way, come on. Come on, little thoughty. Come on, little thoughty. That language of taking a thought captive is way less passive than that. Actually, what taking a thought captive means is grabbing it by the hair. Put your hands on top of mine, bro. GCSE drama, here we go. Is actually against its will, against its will, I'm now dragging, thank you, Pastor Julie, I'm now dragging this thought and I'm making it subservient to the will of God. Paul Nadine was like, have you got any props today? I said, no, this is your photo op- opportunity right now. You got it, Paul? Come on. Wow. Come on. I'm trying to take a thought captive, and it takes a little bit of encouragement from the church for me to go, come on now. you got to do as you're told. Rafaro. Cherahuni, ladies and gentlemen. This audacious life starts with a thought. And so if we have thoughts that are not of God and they're not right and they're not in line with the will of God, and you know in your spirit that this is not going to end up with the right action, then we have to take a thought captive. How do you do that, though? Well, I think one of the best things we can do is replace that thought with a different thought. The Bible says in Isaiah that God's thoughts are higher than my thoughts. So whatever thought comes into my mind, if I want to get it to line up or come into submission with the will of God, I need to replace that thought with a thought from God. How do you know the mind of God? Well, he gave us the Bible. And so for every thought in your mind, this is why in audacious youth and audacious young adults, We did the truth bomb in the last academic year because we wanted to get our young people and our young adults knowing the Bible. It's why in Audacious Kids, we do timeless truth because we want our children to know the word of God. And it's why we keep saying to you, read the Bible, read the Bible, read the Bible, read the Bible by doing that. It is literally like improving your muscles and your grip for grabbing Ruffaro by the hair and dragging him to where he needs to be. That's what happens when you read your Bible. It's like being in the spiritual gym so that you know when a thought comes into your mind, quickly you'll be able to draw from, you know the Bible says, Jesus said these words, a good man brings good out of the good stored up in him. A good woman brings good. Good, out of the good, stored up in her. So therefore, we have to do it. Let me give you a couple of examples before we move on. Let's say a thought comes into your mind. I am alone. I'm alone. Well, Why don't we replace that thought with Ephesians 1 verse 5, where it says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us into himself through Jesus Christ, that this is what he wanted to do. And it gave him Great pleasure. I just feel alone. Nobody loves me. This is not working. All of my texts are blue. There's no gray in reply. Like I scroll through it, like I've not hurt. And your brain is now searching for evidence to back up that thought and kind of make sure that it's an established truth. And before you know it, you're in a place where you're not supposed to be because God has adopted you into a family. You are not alone. Maybe another thought comes into your head I can't do this. How often have you said, I can't do this, I can't do this anymore, I can't do it? Well, the Bible says, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. A thought comes into your mind, this is impossible. Well, the Bible says in Mark, all things are possible to him who believes. How about this thought? This temptation is too hard for me to resist. I can't. I keep coming back round to the same thing. I try, but I keep giving in. I try, but I keep giving in. I promise God I'll never do it again, but I keep giving in. 1 Corinthians 10 says this, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience, and God is faithful, and he will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. So you cannot say, I can't withstand this temptation, because it is not true according to the truth. Last thought. This sin is no big deal, or in reality, probably that would come out more like, well, this isn't really a sin, because you wouldn't say this sin, because you're probably trying to convince yourself that it isn't, well, in James, it says this, then after desire, which is an internal world, has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, gives birth to death, so it is a big deal. It is serious. This audacious life starts with a thought, but with fierce determination to take every thought captive and replace it with his, you will live this audacious life. There's a reason why athletes, fighters, tennis players, and others have a coach in their corner between games, between rounds, between heats, the athlete goes to a corner or an area where their coach is, or at least they look towards their coach. Why? It's because they understand that in a moment of pressure, the only voice in their head being theirs is potentially dangerous. You need to go into the corner thinking, I can't do it, I'm tired, I've got nothing left. But if you hear another voice saying, you can do it, remember what we worked on, you got more in in you than you think, you're not, it's gonna be okay. That, that's why in order for us to take thoughts captive with fierce determination, we need to throw in a bucket load of wild authenticity. That's the second point. Wildly authentic people recognize that even though my thoughts are private and hidden, out of discipline and love for God and my commitment to live an audacious life, I'm actually going to invite someone else into my thoughts. Can you imagine, Darren Durham, if right now we played all your thoughts from the last seven days in fact, can you imagine if we played the thoughts that you had about me in the car this morning when I forgot to tell you about something and you'd already set off? It would be pretty wild to see all of Darren's thoughts and you can put yourself in, that, in those brackets. How crazy would it be? You are glad that we aren't going to do that this morning. Chill, everyone go, ah, it's fine. We've not got any hidden camera crews that have been following you around, no. But that level of wild, the reason why the word wild is in front of authenticity or in front of authentic is because that's how wild the idea is that you would invite another person into the hidden part of your life. So I dare you, I dare you to invite someone into your thought life. I dare you to join a small group, like Pastor Afaro was telling us, we're launching again, small groups are back in, we can do everything we can to a point, but it takes some wild authenticity and some fierce determination to say, I'm going to go to a small group, I'm going to push through the awkward, eventually get to the awesome, but I am going to do this. Why? Because this audacious life starts with a thought, that's why. In order to do that, though, and the team can come up, in order to do that, though, we are going to have to get over ourselves. Come on, we have to stop believing our own press and stop taking ourselves so serious in order to get over the hump of allowing someone to see the real us. The reason why we're saying seriously fun in this week's message is because many of us, myself included, we take ourselves way too serious. And it is a barrier because we are so precious about our reputation that we never get to be wildly authentic because we take ourselves too serious. We have got to recognize the power of Proverbs 17:22, where it says, a cheerful heart is good medicine. If something goes wrong in your life, even if it's your fault and it's embarrassing, if you can find through the help of the Holy Spirit the ability to go, <clears throat> <laughs> I can't believe I just did that, it was so embarrassing. You rarely would do that by yourself. If you see someone laughing hysterically in a corner by themselves, that could be the sign of a problem. I'm not, It may be fine, I'm just saying, maybe they've got AirPods in or, you know, whatever. But generally speaking, laughing at yourself is a thousand times easier if someone else is going, yeah, but... Oh, yeah, I know, I remember when I did that once. All of a sudden, the idea of saying, let me tell you what I'm really like. You only know my Instagram profile. You only know my Facebook page. You only know the bit of me that I choose to sort of carefully invest in, but there's a whole different part of me that the Bible says is more true to who I am than this external bit anyway. So therefore, let me just invite you into that bit. Fiercely determined to take thoughts captive. Using wild authenticity to get others into that world, knowing that we're gonna have to stop taking ourselves so seriously. I wanna finish with this final point because this is about, well, what do we do now? What do we do next? How do we actually do anything about it? Well, I think it's gonna take fearless devotion. The Fourth cultural distinctive of Audacious Church is fiercely devoted. We are fiercely devoted. You know, a thought is not necessarily a fact. But as I said before, your brain searches for evidence to back up that thought, and it almost becomes like a fact in your mind. And that's why we need to replace it with the truth, a fact, the word of God. But I think the phrase entertaining the thought will help us in this moment. When you think about entertaining someone, I want you to think about a nice meal with nice candles and music and, and sort of like you know that wooing moment where you're kind of entertaining someone like that. And the phrase, entertaining a thought, is almost like the same. That idea of taking a thought and inviting it to sit down and you just woo it and ruminate over it and think about it and invest in it. Now the truth is, out of devotion for your spouse, for example, if you were married, you would never entertain another person's wife or husband. In the way I just described because of devotion for your spouse and so what you would do is if you found yourself at a table in a restaurant and somebody came and sat down you'd be like oh oh sorry this this seat's taken and you wouldn't then proceed to go oh well you're not my missus or you're not my husband but do you like fish all right let's just you know because when your spouse came back from the loo you'd be like oh Sorry, love. You weren't here. But so often, we entertain thoughts that are not from God, and we woo them by not inviting another person into the into the, um, the thought process, by not sort of being willing to sort of laugh at ourselves. We we kind of entertain that thought and we close ourselves off. And this is the time where we have to make a decision to think about what we're thinking people way more qualified than me like julie call it metacognition thinking about your thoughts the bible says this in philippians chapter 4 verse 8 finally brothers and sisters whatever is true whatever is noble whatever is right pure lovely admirable If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, entertain those thoughts. That's the PRV just at the end there. It says, think about these things. Entertain those thoughts. The reason why this is significant is because thoughts lead to feelings. Remember I said before that thoughts and feelings are not the same thing. A thought, I am alone, leads to the feeling nobody loves me. Feelings lead to desires And desires ultimately lead to actions or doings, if you like. And the problem with that is that if you do something repeatedly enough time, it goes from a doing to a being. It starts with a thought, which if you entertain that, leads to a feeling, which leads to a desire, which spills over into a doing, which eventually becomes a being. So if you want to be... A son or daughter of the king then you have to start by thinking like a son or daughter of the king and that means saying sorry this seat's taken out of devotion to my king i'm not going to entertain that thought <laughs> because i know that it will lead to who i am and i'm not that So let me invite everybody in the room who isn't stood yet just to stand to their feet. We're going to move into a time of response where we make a decision to surrender our thought life to Jesus. For some of you, that will mean inviting a third party in. For some of you, it will mean choosing to let someone behind the veneer. For some of you, it will, it will be admitting I've been entertaining the wrong thoughts. I've been thinking about thing, that thing. I've been chewing it over. I've been, I've been wooing that thought. And the end path of that, I actually don't want. So I'm going to back it up. I'm going to take that thought captive and I'm going to replace it with something different. Thank you for listening to this audacious podcast. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com.